Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined by my sister Kay Kellum. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on Dark Matter, both the original four-issue miniseries slash trade paperback and the first season of the TV show. Now, the comic book came out in early 2012, mm-hmm. uh, January, February, March, April, four issues, collected into trade in September of that year. Uh, it was written by the two guys behind uh, Stargate SG-1, um, whose names are... Oh, you always come to me with the pop quizzes. Paul Mully and Joseph Malazzi. Uh, they were both the writers on the comic and uh, lead writers and stuff on the, the TV series. Uh, did a little research, uh, my sister's prompting. Uh, that first issue of Dark Matter sold 4,262 units from Dark Horse. No other ones uh, hit the top 300. And then when that trade came out, it did uh, 415 units in its original month. I'll be honest, I didn't go look to see if it popped back up because didn't really think it would. Um, I'd gotten the collected edition. Not the collected edition, what am I saying? I got the individual issues from Dark Horse based on, hey, I know these guys. They did really good on Stargate. Um, Checked it out. And the art, first off, not to my liking somewhat of a scribbly style. Uh, it was a little hard to make out, a little murky in places. It was almost like taking loose storyboards, inking them, tossing them into a comic page, and, you know, that sort of an approach. That's a good description of it. Um, and who's the artist on that? Uh, there are two more names on the cover. Um, hang on. Sorry, I just handed him the tablet. I received a review copy of uh, the trade paperback. Gary Brown did the art, Ryan Hill did the coloring, and Richard Starkings from Comic Craft did the letters. This was labeled as volume one for the trade paperback with the expectation of doing more, which makes sense because it was essentially the first episode or two of the TV series. Yeah. Basic premise here is there's a a spaceship floating out in space on the verge of, of, you know, not falling apart, but going offline. And a stasis pod opens, somebody darts out, another stasis pod opens, somebody else darts out. They kind of salvage the ship, but they have no memory at all. I mean, they know English, the basics, but complete amnesia as to who they are. And then they realize there are four other stasis pods, so they let those people out. Having nothing better to to identify themselves with, they go by the numbers they came out of the pods. So one, two, three, four, five, six... Which, of course, makes it really easy to... Now, wait, which was four again? Yeah. Um, And that was a problem for me throughout the run of the series. Yes. Especially when later they recovered information on what their names were. I I never properly lined up names to characters. There were a few that I did. Uh, Jace Corso is about the only one I did. That was three. No, that was one. That was one. See, I don't always get it right. Uh, Ryu or whatever was uh, four. Yes. Um, but the problem is they go, most of them not only have their number, but sometimes two names. Yeah. And who they were and who they thought they were. Yeah. Which gets confusing. 
and there's also the Android. Now, I thought, by and large, what we saw in the TV series was very much what we got on the comic book page. Mm-hmm. You know, what they laid down there in that four-issue miniseries was conceptually the series they were pitching. Yeah. Now, it took three, two, three years to, to get it from pitch to series, I guess. But, you know, that takes time. And there were a few things that kind of changed in the interim. The layout of the ship a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they really focused too much on that in the comic. Um, the gender of the android went yes. from male to female. The kid went from almost androgynous girl to more obviously a girl. I think she aged a little. I think she was more like 11 or 12 in the comic. I would agree with that. And the personality of three, I thought, was pretty much there. Uh, he was, again, going through the characters. One is somebody who had apparently gotten, had impersonated one of the members of the crew of the Raza to get on board. Mm-hmm. They turn out to be the crew of the Raza. That was kind of the opening episode. Well, and we watched that first episode, and until they got to the mining colony mm. and were being told, basically, that these people feared these demonic-sounding aliens, the Raza. That's when you looked at me and said, I think I read this as a comic book. Yeah, it took me a good half hour, 45 minutes in or whatever. It's like, this is this is ringing bells. How come? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had been two, three years since I yes. read the comic. Three. And it was a, not a highly memorable comic. Again, murky art style that kind of got between me and the story. Mm-hmm. Two is the one who winds up essentially becoming the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. And her arc really takes a, a bizarre kind of interesting turn at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, where she turns out to have been, we're spoilers, so we'll yeah. go ahead and say it, uh, a bioengineered, uh, you know, created human, a synthetic human. Yeah, and they don't really resolve by who or why. They imply the by who, but then he goes and reports to someone else, which changes the connotations of what we've just seen she's got her whole backstory and thing going on uh will wheaton's character is part of that plot line and stuff so there's a lot more that they could do there in future seasons mm-hmm. none of this is touched on in the four issues of the comic because again that's yeah. just essentially the pilot episode if you will three is the the more mercenary mercenary think well, jane from firefly yes exactly complete with naming his weapons and when you get to three and again six, those are interesting characters. And a little bit of it happens with one, where these are the guys that when they wake up with full amnesia, you start to face that interesting question of if you didn't remember your past deeds and weren't influenced by your own past, what kind of person would you be? The whole series is around what does it mean to be who you are? Yeah. Nature versus nurture. If you don't have your memories are you really that same person are you born bad or does doing something bad put you on the path of being bad yeah do you become bad or are you born that way um again what's it mean to be you Mm -hmm. three doesn't really seem to have a soft cuddly side until late in the season we see kind of his one weak spot i think there's a lot of him playing the tough guy versus being the tough guy but it does come to him naturally Yes. Uh, four is the uh, prince of an empire who's, you know, kind of feudalistic Japan kind of a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Good with swords. He's the martial artist. He is the, 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 the fighting machine. Yeah. 
Uh, five is essentially a stowaway girl who's a mechanical genius who somehow got the memories of the others kind of implanted into her while they were in stasis. Mm-hmm. And she's the first one to know slash realize that their memories were erased on purpose. Yeah. Um, and it looks like by the end of the season, she may have had a hand in that. Mm-hmm. And then there's Six, who's the big muscular guy, uh, uh, Roger Cross from uh, Continuum, Arrow, a few other things, too. First wave. Uh, I mean, going back 20 years or so, uh, he was in first wave. He has 128 credits on IMDb. So if you go look him up, he was on X-Files as far back as 21 Jump Street. He was making appearances. So you're bound to recognize him from something. Well, and again, most recently, Continuum, uh, he was in the first season of Arrow as Quentin, uh, his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but his character is supposed to be, again, all these guys are, are criminals except for five who just happen to get stuck on the ship, although we find out how that happens in the course of the series. But he was one wanted for murdering or blowing up a space station. Mm-hmm. Turns out he kind of got tricked into that. Mm-hmm. And there's implications that he may have been undercover the entire time. Yeah. Well, and given the way the blowing up of the space station happened, he thought he went to the space station to steal a military vessel. They've and- got the Galactic Alliance, uh, kind of sort of Starfleet will yeah. consider. Um, he goes, steals the ship, thinks that's his mission, but the shuttle he flew into the station on was rigged to blow up the station. Yeah. So he'd and, been tricked. Yeah. And I think that what they don't say of the backstory, because we find out in the final, what, minute of the episode of the season mm-hmm. that he may and was probably working with the Galactic Alliance throughout this season well all we really know for sure is everyone else has been taken captive by the galactic alliance but he's not in cuffs yes agreed giving the implication he's been working with them or he turned traitor or he was we always working for them yeah kind of ambiguous implying he was undercover on the raza i think when he was tricked into blowing up that station is when he switched sides in the war he was in Absolutely. Because his character in the memories we see and in the current persona is outraged by the killing of civilians, especially the harming of children. He was against the evil corporations, much like his character in uh, Continuum. Mm. But there is a uh, a moral code that he would not cross that he was pushed over by being tricked into blowing up the station. Yeah. And... Again, there were some very fascinating aspects of the series with uh, Five having the memories of the others, but not knowing whose is whose, but then getting to where she can figure that out. And that's how we get to learn about a lot of the, the past exploits of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, one, who was impersonating a member of the crew to get on board. They, In one of the earlier episodes, they set up the... Uh, uh, the transit pods. Yeah, the transit pods. Where essentially it's their kind of version of a, uh, a transporter, but a bit more down to earth almost. It basically makes a clone of you, copy. It f- makes a photocopy of you. Well, beams you across the galaxy, clones you. I loved it when the stowaway was describing it based on having read about in the flyer, because she says it 3D prints you in flesh and bone on yeah. the other end. I didn't need to see that part of it, but yeah. Showed. 
Um, but yeah, essentially, it makes a copy of you. That clone will last for a couple of days. It goes back for bioreclamation, which does not sound like fun. It does not. But at that point, it grabs the memories, reintegrates them into you. You've been in cryosleep the whole time. You're back in your regular body. Yeah, and apparently that is the vacationing style of the future. Oh, there's no risk. There's no transit time. Yes. Well, and the other thing is even though you're in a clone of you, if it dies, it just like disintegrates into dust. Yes, and you wake up very confused about why you woke up early. Because you don't have your memories from that time because they didn't integrate back in. Mm-hmm. So it, it actually is a more sensible version of a transporter. Yes. But it was also very well used. Well, and they introduced it, like you said, very early on. Somebody saw an ad for it, it was introduced, and then it was several episodes later that one of our guys used it. Yeah, Six uses it to go after the guy who tricked him. But then one and four go after him. Now, we've already established at this point that one isn't who he appears to be. Yes, and we figure he's had plastic surgery something to make him look like that guy. Only three knows this, though. Yes. So when one and four do this transit thing, it's based on your DNA. Mm. And four goes over and sees this other guy than one. He's like, who the hell is this? And punches him. Yes. And that's how... Uh, one's secret gets out because one again has this backstory Mm -hmm. turns out he was ceo of a a corporation his wife got killed by number three maybe and that maybe is important three is the only suspect three is who's under suspicion but yeah there's no proof yeah and it's an interesting point in one's story one doesn't remember what happened he doesn't have any of the facts of the case Mm -hmm. but he's making an awful lot of assumptions and going based on the fact that he and three don't get along and haven't from the moment they woke up so the info must be right well i think there's something to be said for there only being one news channel in that galaxy that's very true because i think whoever controls that channel controls people and it's the galactic news network not that i'm saying it's corporate owned gotta be but that's the source of information Mm mm-hmm and have you noticed it has only one anchor person? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I have noticed that. But, I mean, one's got his whole backstory and stuff mm-hmm. out there that they could go on. Uh, two, again, with her being synthetic, that's the whole thing there. Mm-hmm. Three, not so much yet, other than how it intertwines a bit with number one's backstory mm-hmm. uh, and him just being kind of a mercenary and maybe not all that on the up and up. We know he is very much a mercenary. We know he would take any job that would pay. Mm-hmm. We know he was on the side of the trail dying with the when the woman uh, who had her own deadly disease yeah. found him and he, nursed him back to health. He's got a heart in him, but he's the the uh, the rogue element of the group, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. He's the he's ostensibly the character you're supposed to like to hate. Yeah. Well, and he had that woman in stasis. He was trying to find a cure for her. Well, and that was one of the things that was also fun. In the first episode, they set up, there's this vault on this ship that they can't get into. Eventually, because Five just happens to remember the password, uh, they get into it. And of course, before they're, as they're about to go in, I'm thinking, yeah, I know what I expect to see there. You were like, what? I'm like, seven. <laughs> yeah. They've got six people. This would be the seventh after the android, whatever. And sure enough, what do we get? We get a seventh person and another android. Yeah. And it was well done because the android was ostensibly a pleasure bot or whatever, but was basically a setup from somebody they had wronged in the past 
that was rigged to, to basically get in, get situated, kill them. Well, and I liked when that bot had them all trapped somewhere and is over the PA system saying, I was sent here by so-and-so. Do you remember so-and-so? No. And they're all talking back to the PA system with the, not clue. Because again, <laughs> they've got amnesia. They're in a universe that's out to get them because they're bad people, ostensibly. Although it's starting to look not so much. Yeah. But they're at a severe disadvantage because they don't know who's gunning for them. Well, and that's the interesting thing of we figured out one isn't really the person he was. So mm -hmm. he didn't commit the crimes of that person. But and we do find that person later on and we encounter them once. Yeah, we see them once and we encounter them once. That We see them at the bar yes. and later we encounter them. Um, but everybody else is pointing out, you know, if you just get the Galactic Authority to do a DNA scan on you, you'll be set free. Two, her original crimes seem to have been breaking out of the lab where she was made. Mm -hmm. And just based on what we saw of Will Wheaton in the lab, I want to know what phase three was because it sounds like Frankenstein and evil and I'd have killed those people. Will Wheaton is ostensibly, I guess, the project manager for the creation of, of her. And he reports to a guy who's on his literally his deathbed. Mm -hmm. who's in a body that looks ancient but is apparently 24 years old and needs a repairable, you know, a body to inhabit. Mm -hmm. With the implication, if Will Wheaton's character, Alex Root, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Alex something. Uh, if Alex can't get that, Alex may become that. Yeah. Just, hey, it'll buy me time kind of a thing. He's like, no, no, I'll get you something. So I expect his character to come back second season. Yes, and he's been told to kill everybody on the Raza because yeah. they know about two. So again, all of those have a backstory for the whole, uh, his empire. His, his father, the emperor, was killed by his stepmother. But he's been framed for it. He's been framed for it, and his younger brother, half-brother, whatever, is now the emperor. Well, it's, his, yeah, his younger half-brother, who they mistakenly referred to as a stepbrother, which annoyed me, um, because a stepbrother couldn't take the throne. But anyways, uh, stepmom did that so that half-brother could have the throne. I mean, and, there's that whole backstory and plot line. Yeah, so we know one, two, and four are innocent of the crimes. Yes. That started them on the path to evil. Yes. We don't we know six pretty much is. Yes. Uh, he was tricked into it, and he may be an undercover good guy. We don't know what they did after the initial crime, but we know that initially they were good people. Five uh, was basically wrong place, wrong time. She was a pickpocket. Pickpocket robbed the wrong person, and all of her friends got wiped out, stowaways on the ship, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's how she gets there. So again, what we are told at the beginning is basically a bunch of thieves and scoundrels and bad people. Mm-hmm. Most of them turn out not to be. Yeah. And it comes down to who are you and who do people think you are. Yeah. That whole concept of identity. And it, it comes down to, for me, why did they call the show Dark Matter? Mm. Yeah. Because it's more about identity, who you are, relationships, who can you trust, who can you not. And there are a lot of times that the alliances kind of within that group shift a little here and there. They are constantly shifting. I mean, whether three is blackmailing one or thanking one for saving his life. Or about to shoot him. Yeah. Or one's about to shoot three. I mean, 
there's a lot going on with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, six is nine times out of ten, I would say six is protective of five. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of does five like that or not. Yeah. And, I mean, all these characters go through a growth arc over the season, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. The android Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked much about. She goes through one. Mm-hmm. She's turned on. Uh, she goes into like a combat mode or whatever. Puts most of the people down. Mm-hmm. They subdue her. They, they, I guess, reset her to default. They change her security settings so that she won't attack the crew of the Raza. All right. But then she's starting to become more humanistic, human-like. She's afraid that there's a fatal flaw in her programming because she is developing feelings. She goes through kind of the data arc, if you will, mm-hmm. from next gen, but is both embracing it and fearful of it. Mm-hmm. Of Is this a, a malfunction? Well, she's afraid, am I making good decisions or bad decisions? Because she's not always making the logical decisions. For instance, the ship needs her to be piloted, run, etc. And yet she volunteers to go in the shuttle, the Marauder, down to a planet to rescue two. And I thought that was a great set of scenes for her. Mm-hmm. And shows that she is more than just an android. Yeah. And I loved the bit at the end of that episode, which was second from the end, maybe last one. Anyways, they're all in the galley having drinks and whatnot. And the android pours herself one. Yeah. And has one. Yeah. She's trying to assimilate. Mm-hmm. And she knows she's a machine, but a machine with friends, as she puts it, yeah. to her hologram counterpoint or whatever. Yeah. So again, similar also to Andromeda, uh, the ship computer from Andromeda the series. Yeah. Which I thought was a lot of fun. So they've done quite a bit. And that, again, that was a male character in the comics, went to female uh, for the show, cast really well for the android. Yeah. By and large, the whole cast is, is I think, very strong. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And most of the show takes place on the ship with mainly these seven characters Mm -hmm. we get a few other people that guest star here and there a few they interact with a few times they go to a space station or whatever a few people call in on the vidcom or whatever almost any time they leave the ship it's a bad idea Yes. Almost any time they take a job, it's a bad idea. But they set up that they need supplies, they mm. need food, they need they need to, to interact. They're running out of fuel, they're running out of food. They were in stasis for a reason. Yeah. But they were also starting to hit the edge of the galaxy to where it's like kind of from here on out we may be free. Yes. And I think it made a good transition from comic to TV. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a comic, so it become a TV show. Yeah. Again, the lead guys are com- or not comic book writers, they're TV writers. Mm-hmm. And as far as having something to shop around a premise, I think they made a, a smart move. You know, they they worked to deal with Dark Horse. Um, they got the thing out there. They were able to recoup the kind of the R&D costs for their TV show, even with lackluster sales. Um, and it's not like they sucked or whatever for a, a, a Dark Horse comic that, that was a, a blank slate property. Um it did okay, but it was clearly something that they were not in it for the long haul on the comic side. It's, can they turn this into a TV show? Yeah. Which they did, so success. Yeah. Uh, it had a lot of behind-the-scenes people from Stargate involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of the directors, one or two of the guest actors were from there. Clearly Canadian production. But as I was thinking about it, having watched the 13-episode the first season, thought it was good, but not great. 
I mean, it was it was better than average. I mm-hmm. like good sci-fi spaceship shows, but it wasn't one of those that was like Firefly or something that just blew me out of the water. Mm-hmm. I think I identified what they would need to add to the show to kick it up to that next notch and really make it something that could last for multiple seasons. Hmm. And it's something that they added after the second season of Stargate. Creative consultant. Oh, a DeLuise? A Peter DeLuise. Mm-hmm. I think that's the missing ingredient they need. Yeah. Stargate, when it started out, SG-1, on Showtime, had a two-year commitment, had a good story arc, good, solid show, a mm-hmm. lot of fun, but a bit more serious, yeah. dour, I don't know what would be the right word. But then with the third season, they switched to, I don't know if they had another commitment or whatever from Showtime, but to where it's like, this is now an ongoing concern. Mm-hmm. Okay, they told their arc, they built their world, now let's go explore it some more. Peter DeLuise comes on board as a creative consultant. The show lightens up. Mm-hmm. It gets a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And the tone changes a bit to where, you know, you would have comments of, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. Followed by somebody saying, stranger than this, 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 or that that we've hit. Yeah. Kind of a, they they know their history. They are aware of their history. They're aware of the absurdity of some of the things they've encountered. Yeah. And there's an aspect of that in Dark Matter. But it, I think it needs. Well, uh, Peter DeLuise, I think, breathed a certain amount of life into Stargate. Yeah, and there were two episodes that aired back to back, and we watched them back in back. a row, which didn't benefit those episodes. Where at the end of the second episode, I looked over at you and I'm like, "Didn't the characters just learn that lesson in the previous episode?" Yeah, in one episode, I forget if it was four or six. Six. They go, yeah, Six goes, uses the transit pod to go Confront on his mission of vengeance or whatever. And then the next episode, Four disappears from the ship to go on his mission of vengeance, etc. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we don't want to rescue the rest of the team, whatever. It's like, again, mm-hmm. same plot line, different character. Yeah, both times other members of the crew had to come and save them. Both times they had to be told, you know. We're a team. We're all in this together. You don't go off on your own. There were significant differences in the backstory, in the ramifications and stuff. But from a high level, character leaves ship, character goes on mission, team follows up, team saves person. Mm -hmm. It was uh, not beat for beat, but close enough. Well, what got me was same lesson learned in same effective manner. I would say same lesson to be learned. Yes. I don't know that it was learned. Yeah. Because there were quite a few times where it's like, oh, we should all be honest with each other, as every member of that team was keeping secrets. Yeah. Or that crew, I yeah, should yeah. say. Well, and that's the thing. I would say for all 13 episodes, they were a crew. I'm not really sure that there are... There are a few points... There are a lot of times where they are a team that can work together, function together, and trust each other, even though they don't always realize it and aren't always playing in uh, in tune with that. Yeah. But it's one of those that, even when they are holding guns to each other's head, oh, there's another threat, we've got to work together, okay, let's do that. When, when necessity demands it, they can be a team, but in the final episode, if they had truly been a team, Galactic Authority wouldn't have gotten them. Well, they're a team, but they keep secrets. But if they had been an effective team if one and three had been able to trust each other yeah galactic authority would not have gotten the crew 
If one in three had been able to listen to five and hear what she was saying, I'm not Galactic totally authority convinced of that because them. I don't think it was necessarily the Galactic Authority that took them down. It might have been six. That's true. And it could be that six had done that to maintain cover or to establish cover so it can break them out later. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, you, you don't always know who these people are, what angle they're playing, because they don't. And I like when, that aspect. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But it's it's challenging to uh, to do, to, to follow, to keep up with, and the, for the writers to handle. I guess the question I end up with is, when could Six have realized he was Galactic Authority? He shouldn't be in cuffs. He should fake the injection. I don't know. Or has he been faking all along that he doesn't have memories, but that doesn't really fit with his walk through the memories with Five? No, it doesn't. I mean, there's still a lot about these characters we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Making it fortunate they got a second season. Yes. But, I mean, it's a journey of discovery of these characters. Yes. And of self-discovery for these characters. Mm-hmm. Well, and the uh, trade paperback called it, called Volume 1 Rebirth. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways that was very appropriate because coming out of this amnesia, they all had the opportunity to be entirely new people. And when they saw those profiles on who they had been and all the crimes they had committed, none of them wanted to go by the names on those profiles. Well, and I like how it was not just a, a subtext, but an actual relevant part of the show that who you were doesn't mean that's who you are. Yeah. And that differentiated this show from Firefly, Star Trek, Stargate, Babylon 5, mm-hmm. Farscape, all the different sci-fi space shows we've had. Well, and 6 was trying to keep 5 from committing crimes. Yes, trying to shelter her. Yeah, yeah. And the android at one point, after they found out who they were, had told 5, you know, you may turn out to be the most fortunate of all. Because she was upset, not finding out her past. And she's saying, but you're finding out you weren't a criminal. Yeah. And later when uh, the other team of thieves has them, mm-hmm. Ennis Esmer and his uh, group, can't think of their character names. But anyways, um, she realizes maybe she wasn't lucky because she's expendable. There's no bounty on They team up with another group at the behest of uh, one of the, the corporations. Uh, and this other team turns traitor on them because, well, they can get the ship. They can, they've already stolen what they need to sell, st- steal, so they can sell that, mm-hmm. keep the ship, and get the bounty for all these people. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win-win situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ennis Esmer from uh, The Listener yeah. was in it, did a great job. And unlikely to come back, though. <laughs> uh, his, his exit to the show was... Uh, Somewhat defined. Although another character exited that way and returned. <laughs> That's There's something true. about getting blown out of an airlock that you would expect to be pretty final in a space show. You know, but she said she managed to grab hold of the front of the ship and climb her way back. There was an aspect when two was getting blown out the airlock of she will be back. Mm-hmm. How? Dunno. But they again, they explained it reasonably well. They did. You know, nanites, they formed a shell around her, they protect her, you know, whatever. I mean, and they'd been building up to it for quite a while with the uh, the healing from uh, a previous injury that yeah. just miraculously went away. Yeah. And I liked how the android suspected, but didn't say because nobody asked. Mm-hmm. And again, there's that growth curve for that android, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 
it's one of those things that in many Star Trek type shows, you could almost shuffle the order of stuff and it doesn't matter that much. Yes. Here, things follow up from previous events. Mm-hmm. We're following the lives of these characters. We're seeing how they evolve, how they grow, mm-hmm. how their situation changes. Um, and it's 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 a lot of fun. It's something where, again, I think it needs uh, a little bit of work here and there. I think it's got some room for improvement, but it's got a solid cast. It's got a good ship design, a good visual sense. There's nothing outlandish about the the space technology or other technology. I mean, the the cloning you to another planet, you know, kind of a thing is science fiction but a more believable one mm-hmm. really their light speed thing is is the most ludicrous of anything and it's it's not particularly ludicrous yeah so it's one that uh when i read the comic it's like yeah it's all right but if i don't see more i don't see more you know uh it improved and they fine-tuned some stuff getting it to the tv series i hope to see that same level of improvement going to the second season mm-hmm the second season, they say, will be early 2016. So, yeah, I'm hoping that they go into it again with a good arc. It, they need a good game plan. They need to beef up what's going on with three. They need to answer and resolve a few things mm-hmm. and uncover other mysteries. Yeah. You know, why do these people stay together? How's this mm-hmm. going on? Well, and I think the why do these people stay together is their core problem that they need to address. Actually, I think they kind of have. Four summed it up with, when I get my empire back, I will, you know, be grateful yes. to my family once I've dealt with my original family kind of a thing. But they need a better glue for this family than greed? But to me, it's not even greed. It's what they've all been through together. They've stuck side by side. They may be a dysfunctional family. Yeah. But they have each other's backs. Yeah. Okay, and I, I can think see if that. they can continue to grow that and establish that and sell that part of it, yeah, that's what'll make or break the show. Yeah, you know, you almost need to have somebody come in on the ship, ostensibly as another member of the crew at some point, that is almost trying to put wedges between everybody, seeming to 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 be making headway until they wind up stuck on the station as the ship departs. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we knew what he was doing. You know, so I, I hate you, but you wouldn't have done that to me. Yeah. And Something of that sort. Something that shows that there are growing bonds between these characters. And mm-hmm. that they're, they'll, they'll, they'll stick with each other for whatever reason. Yeah. See, I think right now they just don't have that between one and three. No, but I think once we get three's backstory and really sh- shine a light on what happened with one's wife and stuff like that, you know, of, of who he was when the whole Jace Corso thing kind of plays out, once we get some more insight, we'll... We'll probably find out that three was there trying to save his wife or something, mm, mm-hmm. or is his brother-in-law, or I don't know. Yeah, you know, there we've gotten the least insight into three's backstory, and we need more to go on. Yeah, so it's a fun show. It's um, it's worth checking out. Uh, it's a sci-fi show, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, done up in Canada, probably on the Space Channel up there, I would imagine. Um, but again, good cast, uh, fun show, and it's. Again, fun to see something that was a comic miniseries a couple of years back. Yeah. You know? Well, and Roger Cross having some light moments, and it's very different than most of the roles I've seen him in. It's a good character for him. He gets to play the tough guy. He gets to play the, the soft, cuddly kind of a guy, the mm-hmm. father figure and whatnot, the voice of reason. Yeah. 
Um, it's also a great character, uh, three of for Anthony Lemke. Yeah. Who we had seen in The Listener and one or two other things. And he, again, Jane from Far, uh, uh, Firefly is a, a good kind of go-to comparison there. Mm-hmm. Three is the, well, let's just kill him and sort them all out later, sort of, uh, you know, he's evil. It's, you know, the, the, oh, I'm trying to think the best way to phrase this, just the uh, almost antagonistic kind of a guy. Yeah. You know, he puts up walls so people don't get too close to him. Yeah. Well, and very different from the character I had seen him in just before this aired, playing basically the guy next door on The Good Witch. He's a real estate agent mm. who everybody likes. And, you know. Here, he's the one everyone hates. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely showing range for both those actors. But also showing at times, well, he is kind of that guy. There are certain things. No, he's. I mean, well, he's. You'd think he'd be the first to sell people out. He was the first to come to the rescue of two before she got blown out the airlock. Yeah, that was a very, very important and telling scene for a lot of characters and how characters reacted to his saying that. Because one wanted to say the code and save her, but he was kind of afraid to because she had told him not to. Yeah. And stuff. So the reaction shots on that, as well as his saying it, it happened at the very end of an episode. So that was a case where I was glad in the next episode they rewound slightly and replayed that. But I like how the episodes are picking up on the heels often. Mm-hmm. Also, they've got a habit of ending on a reveal or on a, this spins something on its head. Yeah. Uh, it really comes down to the writers know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I think they need, again, somebody like Peter DeLuise to do a little bit of polish on it and help sell it. Yeah. Because when Stargate lightened up a little bit, the tone changed a little and it allowed the concepts that they were playing with there to really shine. Mm-hmm. That's what they need here. Yeah. I think they've got a brilliant concept, a good execution, but it just needs to, to, to be polished a little bit, have a little bit of tweaking here and there. Nothing major. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with the show. Mm-mm. But it's missing that spark, a little bit more of a sense of humor, and... You know, it could really just kick it up another level. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Pierre Deloise is an excellent suggestion because that, that he's sense of... those guys, those writers. Yeah, and that sense of humor he brings to things would really add, especially like to the scenes in the galley where they're already having some, you know, we're not trying to hide from two, but all the men are having a conversation behind a closed door. I don't know what Peter DeLuise would have done with the scene between one and three, where three saying, you're up one. Mm, mm-hmm. You saved my life one more time than I've saved yours, so you're ahead. And one's like, I, I, I don't keep track or whatever. But I can imagine Peter DeLuise having massaged that scene a little bit, mm-hmm. or just what the actors brought to it or whatever, mm-hmm. to have yeah uh, have uh, have improved it some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't recall seeing Peter DeLuise as any as a director on any of these episodes, but I didn't really look for that. I don't recall that either. I recall seeing Martin Wood and a few others from uh, Stargate and such. Yeah, I'm trying to think, because there were a lot of uh, Stargate names, which kind of surprised me, and maybe it shouldn't have. That didn't surprise me much at all. A lot of them, though, were from more the uh, Atlantis era, I think. Mm-hmm. Certainly from the guest stars. Yeah, Amanda Tapping directed an episode. Martin Wood directed an episode. Um, Joseph Malazzi mm-hmm. was part of the writing on 13, and uh, Paul Molly was part of the writing on all 13. 
there were only three other guys that helped them out with the writing. And again, the writing is good, but whatever Deloise brought to, to Stargate SG-1, that's what I think they could use here. Yeah. It's, it's a good show, but I think it wouldn't take too much to really start knocking it out of the park. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was not certain it would get a second season. I'm glad it did. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of surprise there. And the way it ended, I would have been very disappointed if it had ended. Yeah. And I would have read the end of the last scene a little differently. To me, it would have locked in. Six was definitely with the, the Galactic yeah. Alliance because well, how else would you end the show? Yeah. They've been caught, you know. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to how they get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and how they get out may actually be kind of a team-building moment, if you will. Yeah. If well-written. Well, and again, I'm expecting Six to not have turned traitor on them, but just to have appeared to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm hoping for a good explanation. Yeah. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.